0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, and welcome to the Lost Out Back podcast, episode three. We've survived three episodes. Isn't that excellent? <laughs> it's more than I thought we'd go for So, uh, the
1: man uh, to my side here is Kevin Yank. Say and, hello.
0: Oh, hi there. And uh, to my left is uh, John Corey.
1: Hello. And uh, this is the Lost Out Back uh, soundtrack, podcast, and overall experience. Where we hope to educate, inform, and enlighten you about what it is like living in Australia and a bit about Australian
0: history from the perspectives of two non-Australians. I got to go uh, this weekend, uh, just yesterday, in fact, to an AFL match, an Australian Football League match. Okay, and
1: um, um, well, maybe we should talk a bit about us as Australian football, just. Because it's not normal football, isn't no,
0: it? no. In fact, it's it bears very little resemblance to any other kind of uh, football sport. There's there's a lot of footballs around, and and coming from Canada, I found this very confusing at first. I think it would be a little more familiar to you, uh, having uh, lived on the European continent. But uh, in Canada, football means one thing, and that is the the gridiron is what they call it here. In fact, where where you you have four downs, and you have these guys in big padding, and they, 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 they either they go in plays, and the play is either a pass or a run, and people get tackled, and there's stacks and stacks of people, and the game stops every two seconds to set up for another play. And for an ad break. And for an ad break. And it's very much like watching a game of uh, really macho chess on the field.
1: Okay, so, so Australian rules football, right, so how is that different? Well, um...
0: Australian rules football is closer to sort of the rugby segment of the football world. And, and there are several different kinds of rugby. As I understand it, there's rugby union and rugby league here, played here in Australia. And I couldn't tell you the difference between those. John might have a stab at it. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about AFL, which is an entirely different beast. In the rest of the world, it's, it's known as Aussie rules football. And when I lived in Canada, Aussie rules, my impression of what that was, was basically the same as gridiron, except no one wore any padding. No. And violence was encouraged. Yes. But what I've discovered since living here, that it, it, it really is quite a unique game, Aussie rules. You have this gigantic field, and people are constantly kicking the ball to each other. yes. And unlike other brands of football, there's no rules about what direction you can kick it in or how you can really kick it. As long as you kick it off your foot and someone catches it before it touches the ground or another player, as I understand it, yes, that's called a mark. Yes. And when you get a mark, you can either keep playing or you can stop and go, I'm going to take my time and set up for another kick. And no one's allowed to touch you for, you know, 10 seconds or so while you set up for that next kick. So catching a ball on the fall, as they call it, before it, before it touches the ground, is a great thing. That's sort of what you're trying to do as you're playing AFL. And you, you sort of make it from one end of the field to the other. And at the end of the field, there's these four posts. There's two tall ones in the middle and two slightly less tall ones um, uh, on the outside. And if you can kick the ball through the two really tall ones, you get six points and if the ball happens to tumble or get pushed or even just sort of wobbles out through the, the, the slightly less tall ones, then you only get one point. So it's almost like you get like one point for
1: missing and you get six points for, for basically That's getting much
0: it. it. So if you were really good at missing and you could do it more than six times as much as you could hit it, you'd be better off trying to miss.
1: But um, th- I just want to go back a few steps right. there, Kevin. Um, I'm sure I missed something. E- there's a lot. Of, there's a lot in there. Okay, right. So first of all, I just wanted to mention one other thing about the mm. sport, is that the ball isn't round like a soccer no, ball.
0: No, no, it is. It is like a, a like a familiar North American football, almost. Maybe a little rounder on the ends. But or,
1: or, or a rugby ball. It's a little kind of egg-shaped y- yeah, ball. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't
0: roll straight, it sort of wobbles along the ground, which is half the difficulty of the game.
1: Yeah, so like you have this situation where you can you can kick this ball and it can go very, very long distances because it's shaped like an egg and it's more aerodynamic f- for, uh, for those physics people out there. So you can kick the ball and go very, very long distances and if you have a skilled p- player at the other end of the, the field, he can catch that, he can mark it, but if... You don't get to the ball in time, and you've got like a couple of players running for the ball, it will bounce, and you don't know what way it's going to bounce. It'll because It'll bounce in any direction. It's so, really random. you've got this situation where it's either incredibly precise, because somebody is being, has marked the ball, or it is completely and utterly random.
0: Exactly. The game really switches gears. If people are catching it well, it's this really sort of precise, and you're like, what, what's so hard about this game? But every once in a while, someone will miss it, and go... And, and, Suddenly, everyone will be running in opposite directions, trying to guess at which way the ball's going, and eventually someone picks it up, and the game goes from there.
1: The actual field itself is not a rectangular field. It's actually um, an oval.
0: Yes, it is an oval, and that's what they call it, the footy oval.
1: Yeah and um the reason why it's a footy oval is because it's supposed to be played in in cricket grounds and cricket is uh is played on on an oval. Yeah. And it is played during uh, the off season for cricket. So cricket's a summer, summertime sport mm. and football is uh, a wintertime sport. So
0: they play on the same fields mm. but just at different times of the year. And this is a huge field we're talking about. It really is When you see it on TV, you don't really appreciate it. But when you actually go and see a game live, it's amazing how big this field really is. Um, It's so big that rather than having the coaches standing on the sideline yelling to their players, it's too big for that. Each team has a couple of messengers that sort of sit on the side of the field with a phone and they're in bright yellow outfits. And the, the coaches talk to them on the phone, and then they run out on the field to find the player that they're supposed to send, give a message to, and they sort of tell the player, and you can tell they're really into it. They're like, yeah, head down that way and make sure you cover this guy. And the player they're talking to rarely acknowledges the existence of this messenger. I mean, I'm sure they're taking it in, but they're really just too cool to admit that They need advice from this guy in a bright yellow outfit
1: yeah yeah, yeah, and and like uh, generally the the guy in the bright yellow outfit is kind of like one of the little people he 's like five foot tall, and the actual uh, football player will be something like six foot three and massive mm. and it 's kind of a case of the little little guy was the guy who really really liked football at school but was just too short to ever be a player <laughs> and and this is kind of like the the token prize
0: right well there's a lot of people on the field aside from the players there are those four messengers two per side then there's i believe four at least four officials referees because the the field is too big and the the ball moves too quickly for one referee to keep up with it so there's four on the field and they they each have one quarter of the field and they act as linesmen as well so when the the game gets towards the side they walk out of the edge and watch that the ball doesn't go over the line and there's also Water bottle people, whenever whenever the game gets to the point where it's stopped and someone's setting up for a kick on the goal, and they take a little extra time to do this, I think it's called a set shot. But when they do this, a whole ton of people come on, on the field, and th- start handing out water bottles to the other players. And it's a real judgment call, because even though you're, you're lining up to take a shot on the goal, you could just as easily kick it to the side and fake out the other team, and, and, and and uh, game the game would start right up again, and the ball would start going everywhere. And then all these people with water bottles all over the field.
1: <laughs> yeah, under, young and old. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now, that's that's the the game pretty much covered. But that's really only half of it. It's such a it's a big part of especially Melbourne culture. There are so many. Teams and they're all, most of them are all, all here in Melbourne. Uh, yep. Coming from North America, games like uh, uh, baseball and uh, ice hockey and uh, uh, football, even, each each big city has its team and they're constantly flying from one end to the other to, of the country to, to, to play against each other. And so if you're in Montreal, you typically support the Montreal team and. And either your team is playing in town that week, in which case, if you're a real darhard fan, you'll go to the game and watch it. Otherwise, the the team's on the other side of the country and you watch it on TV. Uh, But it's really not like that with AFL. With AFL, as I understand it, there's 16 teams in the league. And I would, you know, I'm not sure exactly, but about two-thirds of those are based here in Melbourne.
1: And it used to be almost all of them. Um, almost
0: all of them. It's just starting to spread to the rest of the country. And so whichever team you happen to, to back to, to be a fan of, chances are they have a game on in Melbourne every single weekend. Yep. And, and so you go out and you see your team every single weekend. And I've been to a few matches since I've been here in Australia, but but to go every week, I have to say, it would get a bit boring, a bit repetitive. Oh, yeah. But it's, there's so much uh, going on behind the scenes. If you're a real fan, you know the players and what injuries they have and wh- when, who they've faced off against in the past 20 years. And it's, it's really like a, a soap opera almost. I, I hate to say it. I know I'll be getting some serious football fans upset by saying that. But on some levels, it really is that kind of drama that you show up for.
1: Oh, yeah, and there's also kind of uh, sworn enemies as far as the actual game is concerned. There's certain teams that are... Um, have a, a, a violent yeah. uh, uh, dispassion, if that's such a word, yeah. for um, uh, a rival team. Mm. And it's you know, these traditions go back hundreds, of, well, not hundreds, maybe a hundred year, years or so. Even though all
0: the players on the team have completely changed since that rivalry was in place. It's just this historical thing. These two teams hate each other.
1: So uh, the best example, just to give you names, is uh, there's a team called Collingwood, mm. which is uh, black and white, mm-hmm. And um, everybody hates them. And, their like, shirts are black and white. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the team um, colors are trend. black and white. And there's another team called Carlton, and almost everybody hates Carlton. And uh, the only time that people like Carlton is when they play against Collingwood. But, and neither team is very good. Yeah, well, yeah, it gets complicated because they've got this weird thing where um, because they realize that the sport um, only it's only probably been supported by maybe, let's say, uh, five million people mm. as, as as a fan base. They have to do these tricks where they make sure that there's uh, the money, the salary caps, so right. that the money doesn't kind of uh, pool in one or, one or two really good teams. Yeah, because
0: otherwise everyone would um, subscribe to or support the, the best team at any given time, and they would stay the best team because they would have the most money.
1: To, to buy players Right. that. Yeah, so you get this situation where you'll get a team like Collingwood, which is, is a hugely popular team. Um, you either love them or you hate them, and you know, like, probably 75% of the population hate their guts, 25% mm. of the population love them, and you know, subscribe to the team, you'll get them and they'll be at the bottom of the ladder uh, in one decade. And then the next decade, they'll be at the top of the ladder. And you get this, this huge churning of uh, people uh, or teams within the the league. Um, 10 years, they were nothing. Now, they're brilliant.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that, that whole thing of supporting a team is really big here too. In Canada. Even if you really loved your local team, you'd only go along to a few games in each season and you'd pay your ticket for your ticket at the door or you would buy it, you know, the week before. But here, here, if you, if you support a team and if you want to say that you support a team, you pretty much have to go out and buy a season ticket. It's called a membership here. It's not even called a season ticket. It's not about getting the pass to go and see all the games. It's about putting your money down and they send you baseball caps and newsletters from your team, and 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 you go, you can go around and say, I am a supporter of this team. And if you you haven't signed up for a membership of whatever team it may be, then you're not really considered a real football fan here. It's incredible what they've done with uh, with their marketing. Yeah, and they they've even managed to find a way to to attract the people outside of the city because. As I said, there's lots of teams, and they're all. Most of them are based in Melbourne, and so each team sort of has a suburb that they come from. And if you were born, if your family is from that suburb, chances are that's the team that you'll pick to support. But
1: they're, but they're the the inner city kind of. Uh, they're all the inner city suburbs. Yeah. Which and is... so if you're
0: not in the inner city, you're like, ah, I don't have a team. But that's not that's not what's happened. In fact, Victoria, the the state of Victoria is full of AFL fans. And the way they've done that is they've carved out sections of the rural community and said, all right, you're in the, for example, Collingwood zone, which means that this whole town, say the, t- the, the small town of Hamilton, for example, you guys are all Collingwood supporters. And that's the way it is. And so they, you have these whole rural towns that all back one... One team from the, the competition in the city. So in a way, it's it's a lot more polarized out in the rural areas because you have these whole towns that are supporting a single team.
1: And you'll drive into a country town and on the um, kind of entrance to the town, it'll be like, welcome to Happyville. And they'll have, um, you know, kind of like population two thousand. And then they'll have like a little kind of icon next to that. And it will be the mascot of the team yeah. that, that belongs to that town. So like in, in Collingwood's case, it's, it's a magpie, which is a, a black and white bird. And they'll have a little black and white magpie. And that says this is a Collingwood town. Mm. But um, there's something else I'd love to kind of bring up about uh, footy um, is that, um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because you still get this situation of uh, these players are essentially these young men and they, at school, played a lot of football and probably didn't do much schooling and then were drafted into the league and they didn't do any kind of higher education, so they've just played football. So um, they're not the brightest bunch. No,
0: I I, uh, like I said, I went and saw a game yesterday and as my girlfriend and I were making our way to our seats, we we had our tickets in hand and we were walking up to the section of the stands that we had tickets for and the guy in line in front of us went up to the, the ticket taker and just sort of tried to walk past her. And she said, I'm sorry, sir. Can I see your ticket? And he says, I'm a player. (laughs) That's my Australian accent again. (laughs) Fans everywhere. Um, But he he says, I'm a player. And she goes, that's very nice, sir. Can I see your ticket? And he goes, oh. Like, he didn't realize he needed to have a ticket.
1: Don't you realize that I'm a demigod? Yeah, exactly, (laughs) yeah. That's kind of what it's but, like. So, so you, so you have these players, right? So they're 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 not the brightest penny in the world, right? And at the age of kind of like twenty, all of a sudden they're earning like a, a really really good salary, right? We're not talking about millions of dollars, but you know, for the average Australian, they're earning good money, right? Mm. So they'll go out and they'll buy themselves a big stupid sports car, right? So that's the first thing you see. You see these kind of young footballers, you can spot them a mile away because they've got like an ugly head and they're like six foot six. And they're driving a sports car around town. And then, invariably, they get to the age of 25 and it's time for them to settle down. So, what do they do? They marry a model. Yes. And So, you have this situation, right, of kind of um, <laughs> footballers marrying models, right? So, I went to a party once, right, Kevin? And um, I've got this friend and he's, he's pretty evil. He's, this, he's really, really... He's got this evil wit. And he's at this... Um, party and he, there's some friends that he hadn't seen for years and he decides to play a trick on them. And, um, he's, cause he studies psychology and, you know, things of the mind. So he's there with, with, with the friends and, um, they said, Oh, what, what have you been up to? Um, uh, you know, uh, Ross, what have you been doing? And he says, Oh, I'm, I'm doing my, my master's thesis, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to make it a PhD. And they all kind of gather around and say, Oh, wow, that's really, really interesting. And he says, Yes. Uh, he says, I'm, I'm, actually trying to do a study to see if there is any kind of... Uh Observable retardation in the offspring of uh, <laughs> footballers and models compared to a control population. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You. He said this in the, the, this uh, party, okay. and like he he was deadly serious the way that he did it. Okay? He 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 kind of like let myself and my partner in you know, that he was going to do it. So he's at this party, and like he's he's just absolutely to use the Australian uh, vernacular, he's spinning. You know, which is basically, you know, telling a big story. He's yeah. spinning for like, for like about half an hour. And he's just got these people captivated and just saying, Oh, wow, I think that's a really relevant and important study. <laughs> and then there are other people saying, That's a waste of time. You know what I mean? That's, that's unethical. And it was just incredible that he got away with it. So, yeah. But the last thing I wanted to say about football though, Kevin. To,
0: to end the suspense safe to say he was not actually conducting this study. No. <laughs> no. But I tell you what, it
1: it, it motivated such um, debate in that party, yeah. you know, I suppose there was a few beers involved. It had motivated such debate in that party that I think he actually could have had funding.
0: I think he could get funding <laughs> for that.
1: Anyway, look, um Kevin, oh, we we've nagged on th- th- this th- this topic. We've nagged on it for like it, there, there's a we lot here talk about it
0: for two hours and we don't even watch
1: yeah game. we don't even but that's the thing I, like I, uh, kevin asked me at the beginning here right um, john d- do you get into sports much and i said no i mean <laughs> like, seriously i don't uh, but the the um australian contemporary culture and particularly uh melbourneian contemporary culture is so awash with this stuff
0: you cannot you- even watch a game ever and still be so aware of what's going on, and who's doing what, and what the issues are, and yeah, it's just impossible to avoid. It's
1: inescapable. So like, yeah, um, I, I, we could talk about this all night, so we, we we better stop talking about
0: it. I think it's time for some Dinkamazi history. Bush ranger. What is a bush ranger to you? A bush ranger... To me, it's sort of like one of these guys who sort of lives out in the wilderness and, and keeps an eye on the land. You know, if there's a forest fire or, in Australia, a bushfire, he calls the right people to come in and, and, and put it out. Would that be right? No. Oh. Um,
1: like, a bush ranger is a, a, a cowboy. He's a, a, an outlaw. An outlaw. That's just what I was hoping you would say. So, um, this week, I'd like to talk... Um, I'd like to introduce... Uh, one of a, of a swag of of these bushrangers. Of
0: true Australians who didn't let the law get in the way of making their mark on history.
1: Uh, no, sorry. Where, just to give you a little bit of a background quickly, um, it was all in the 1800s. Um, Australia, as a colony, was beginning to uh, really get going. Uh, there were several colonies, in fact. And the, the law only extended so far, you know, to the kind of city perimetry. And beyond that, uh, you were dealing with kind of frontier land. Mm-hmm. And Uh, a lot of people escaping the law would head for the frontier. So very, very similar to uh, the Wild West. But they weren't cowboys. uh, Bush Bush rangers. Bush rangers. So um, I'd like to introduce this week's episode of Dinkum Aussie History. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to uh, Dinkum Aussie History. Uh, This week, I would like to talk to you about um, a bush ranger called... Captain Moonlight. Captain Moonlight. All right. Yes. Another captain.
0: Yes. There are plenty of captains in, in Australian history. Oh, yes. And, and, and this so is... far, I've been a bit disappointed. None of them have actually been captains. Well, um, don't hold your breath. Oh. Uh, <laughs> um, I have ca- to say, Captain Moonlight isn't the toughest-sounding name at the outset. Yeah. Captain but, Moonlight? Yeah. Yeah. I'm... Captain Bloodbath, I'd like to hear something. <laughs> okay. But Captain Moonlight, it's sounding a bit a bit girly.
1: Okay, well, he he was uh, born in Ireland, and his uh, real name was Andrew George Scott. That's
0: more like it. Yes,
1: and um, he came to Australia uh, via New Zealand, where he had actually uh, fought in the Maori War, okay?
0: The Maori are the native people of Uh, New Zealand.
1: Yeah, and they're like these kind of big, serious, powerful people.
0: Yeah, they're not like peaceful hunters who are noble, and I'm sure they're noble, but... You know, they'll they they they'll, they'll get out there with their teeth and bite your head off if you talk to them the wrong way.
1: Suffice to say that the Maoris fought the English and won.
0: Yes. I think that says it all.
1: Okay, so anyway, um, so Captain, uh, uh, well, he wasn't called Captain Moonlight at this stage. Scott, mm-hmm. uh, born in Ireland, goes to New Zealand, fights the Maori, and it's quite possible that he was uh, got a bit of a thump on the head from the Maoris because uh, he wasn't quite right. So he ends up Back, uh, he he goes to Australia. And now, are
0: you going to tell me at which point in the story he takes on the name Captain Moonlight? Because I think that may be important. Oh, I will in a second. Okay. okay.
1: What happens? Okay, he decides to become, uh, uh, move to Australia, and he decides to become a preacher. So he, you know, he he. He's registered as a as a layman and he's he's studying to, now, to be a preacher. Now
0: why would he want to be a a, a preacher? Was he, was that just his background or you know was it for the free wine?
1: I think it was the family business, but maybe Okay. Maybe it was a cover. Ah. <laughs> Cuz what happens okay he's he he becomes ensconced in this uh, this local uh, uh, town mm. and he's there preaching and he's you know the, the, the lay preacher and the, he's a pillar of uh, of the community. And one night, um, the bank is broken in two. <gasps> and there is a, a masked gunman who uh, takes the manager and, you know, tells him to... empty. Because there's this. not
0: mu- much money in priesthood, especially in a fledging colony.
1: Yes, and and um, you jump to conclusions. Uh, I do,
0: <laughs> but uh, I, I would suspect that uh, this bank heist was uh, conducted in the moonlight, perhaps? Possibly, yes. Mm. And,
1: anyway, Captain Moonlight, uh, well, uh, he proclaims himself as Captain Moonlight Ah. and says you know I'm here to to rob your bank, give me all your money and the bank manager despite the mask goes and says you're Preacher Scott, aren't you? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm Captain Moonlight. I'm Captain Moonlight. Mm. And and he said, no, no, y- 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 you silly bugger. Y- you're, you're the Preacher. Go back to bed. And he said, no, no, I'm serious. Give me all your money. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he ends up, you know, um, getting the money from the bank manager and um, tying the bank manager up the bank manager is pissing himself laughing. Yeah. And he, he drags him off for some reason to the local school and locks him up in the local school and Captain Moonlight kind of Man. disappears into the night.
0: This guy's sounding like a bit of an embarrassment to Bushranger kind. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway... So- he's a priest. He's, he's calling himself Captain Moonlight. Huh? And, uh, you know... Uh, I'm not impressed so far. Anyway. But well, he made off with the money. That's something. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't.
1: <laughs> so what he does, he, he, he goes back home, right? He's there back at home. Okay? So he took
0: the bank manager to the school yeah. and then went home.
1: So anyway, what happens, all right? If police come along, okay, and they, they go and this, they, they find that the bank's been robbed. They find the bank it manager at the school. Been robbed.
0: If anything, the bank manager has been kidnapped. And that's all that's happened here.
1: Right. Well, anyway, Moonlight takes the money home. He's been home. given detention. <laughs> yes, that's cool. <laughs> so anyway, the police come along and they say, ah, oh, um, they, they untie the bank manager. And the bank manager goes and says, it was, it was Preacher Scott. Yeah. He did it. And they said, yeah, come on.
0: <laughs> so anyway. His plan worked,
1: in a way. The, the, the bank manager basically gets, you
0: know, um, sent to jail. Was it a trial run to see if he could get away with it? Oh, he gets away with it. So he didn't actually steal anything. Just in case his. His Captain Moonlight persona didn't pay out. But no, he did. It did. No, he did. He stole a thousand pounds. Okay, so he did take. The money. He, so he stole a thousand
1: pounds, and he 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 he. Uh, that
0: was a lot of money in those
1: days. Oh yeah, huge amounts of money, and kind of tied up the bank manager. Okay, and
0: I'm glad we got that confusion sorted out.
1: Put him in the school bank manager. Basically, police come along. Bank manager says you're going to jail. I oh, sorry. What they say to the bank manager? You're going to jail. He says it wasn't me. It was it was this guy, Captain Moonlight, preacher. the preacher, the bank manager. Oh no, it's even worse. The 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 school principal gets dragged into it as well too so the school principal <laughs> he was
0: harboring a fugitive so,
1: so the school principal and the, the bank manager exactly? probably captain moonlight uh, probably <laughs> anyway okay, anyway i didn't so, give this guy enough credit so what happens is he's like so captain moonlight says fantastic and buggers off to to sydney and you know for a few li- years lives the high life okay and um anyway He's finally arrested, 18 months later, okay? He's finally arrested after he, he tries to cash a cheque that bounces, no. all right? Because um, he's trying to buy uh, a boat to go to Fiji for some reason. Undone right?
0: by poor accounting practices.
1: So, he he's finally kind of sent to jail, not for robbing a bank, but for bouncing a cheque. Mm. In there, he gets to know all of these criminals, and he says one night, I've got a secret. And they said, what? Well, I'm Captain Moonlight.
0: I'm Captain Moonlight.
1: So they jump over the wall and they escape and they become these big bushrangers, Captain Moonlight and his gang. So anyway, look, they end up robbing all these banks okay? right?
0: So his 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 uh, his
1: career as a priest was short lived, to say the least. But the, the 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 whole thing about this story is this guy. Every time he's arrested, yeah, they just go. Oh,
0: he couldn't have done it. He, could, he doesn't even know how to write a good check.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and like he he the guy is is hardly ever sent to jail right. because they just I don't know what it was about him. He, 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 maybe they thought he was mad yeah. or what, and they yeah, just no, didn't believe face, him on his face. But he just every time they would send him to jail, they would put him in a really lousy cell <laughs> or they they'd say, oh look, just just go. And he 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 spent hardly any time in jail until finally. Oh. He, there's a big kind of um, heist he pulls off with, like, about 30 criminals, Uh-oh. and there's a big shootout with the police, and a couple of policemen get killed, and they say, well, you've gone too far, and he's hung. Oh. And that's that's the story of Captain Moonlight, the the lamest... Hung in the moonlight. <laughs> the lamest criminal on Earth.
0: I don't know if he was actually lame or just very clever. You know the saying, you're either very stupid or very smart. So you think he was like
1: the jackal? Either
0: he was... You know, making an idiot of himself just before he broke the law so that when he was caught, they'd go, oh, you did that stupid thing last week. It couldn't be you. So so
1: you think like the Scarlet Pimpernel or something. Yeah. He, he kind of had this or kind Clark of, Kent. Yeah, this kind of fobby persona that he, you know, presented. Mm. And then, you know, his real identity was mm. Captain Moonlight.
0: Either that or he was really just a hopeless idiot.
1: Anyway, that's... Uh, this week's Dinkum Aussie History. Australian heroes by
0: the bucket Line. Thanks for listening to the Lost Outback podcast. Oops. You can visit us online at lostoutback.com. Email us your feedback and suggestions at podcast at Yes, please tell us your suggestions yes, because please. we want
1: this to be your show.
0: Yep, we'd like to uh, thank the... Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com for the music featured in this show. And this episode was released under a Creative Commons license.